We've been talking about prayer in January. Uh, super abundant prayer on our Super Sunday here. Um, I think it's a good to talk about prayer in the beginning of the year. Uh, following God, being in fellowship with Him, spending time with Him, uh, getting direction for our year. Uh, I think it all, it's, it's very fitting. And we're, we've been talking about um, reaching our city. And if we desire, truly desire to reach our city and impact our city for Jesus, for the kingdom of God, prayer is, is vital. Prayer is, is crucial to that. Nothing happens in this natural realm without it first being prayed about. Talking about the things of God. And that's where it happens. And so it's, it's, it's very important for us. And But so we've been talking about... Uh, Rising to the level of our prayers. It's been an amazing corporate prayer. Just started off at a real strong place. Last year we had a lot of days of corporate prayer. Maybe over 150 um, total last year. And and so the last few years we've been having maintaining that. And then starting off with 21 days of prayer in January. But we just started off with just a at a higher place. The things that we were praying about. It's just praying about things that really I haven't heard a, a, us pray about corporately. And so it's been quite uh, exciting. And so that just shows me that 2020 is going to be a different kind of year. It's going to be unusual in a good way. And that we're going to bear more fruit for the kingdom and impact people. Not just Good News Church, but other ministries. Um, that, that God's doing something. And, so, and I know that because of what's being said and what's being prayed about. I know that it's going to come to pass. Um, One of the most important prayers in the New Testament is in John 17. If you want to turn there, you can. It's the prayer of um, Jesus, and this is what I've been my main foundational text for this this month, uh, or for January. And it's it's the prayer of Jesus at the Last Supper where he's praying um, for his disciples, the ones that have been given to him. And it's an awesome chapter. I encourage you to read it and, and look through it and then look through it in terms of, of, of disciples, your disciples, uh, making disciples, some great things to, to pray for people there. And I find it so interesting that this was a part of the Last Supper. All of John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 are at the Last Supper. Very important things being said all throughout those chapters. Um, be good to study all all those read all those chapters through and and spend some time there but it's really cool because a lot of times we don't hear jesus's prayer we hear his prayer in the garden um we hear his prayer with with, uh, about lazarus and other different times but a lot of times he's like he's going to the mountain and he's gone (laughs) for the night and we don't really know what was being said but here in John 17, we have exactly what he prayed. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, so let's, um, I'm, I'm calling this the disciple maker's prayer. So it's very fitting for Good News Church. Our mission, by the way, is empowering people to give life. That's what a disciple is, is a life giver. And so this is, I call this, this is the life giver's prayer, the disciple maker's prayer. John 17, verse 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so He can give glory back to you. For you have given Him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given Him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, 
I would underline that. This is the way to have eternal life because I think that's what we're all looking for, what we all want to experience, certainly what we want after we die, which is for forever, is to have God's life, to have his eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to, to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's pretty awesome. Completing the work. That's my desire, is to complete the work he's given me. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They they were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. That's what we should be doing. Passing on the message that's been given to us, we pass it on to others. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. And so I was sharing last time uh, that I ministered that God's life, this is what eternal life is, this is what, uh, uh, what real life is, and it's not a um, set of uh, principles, it's not a code of contact, conduct, eternal life is a relationship with a person. Eternal life is about a relationship with God, and then we receive the benefits of that relationship. Just like any relationship you have on this earth, there's benefits uh, that go with that relationship, hopefully. And so eternal life is not a destination. It's a person. It's about having God's life in you. And so the more you know Him, catch this now, the more you know Him, uh, the more of His goodness will be manifested in your life. And so the most important part of our day should be spending time with Him, getting to know Him, fellowshipping with Him. And it is vital for us to have this time with Him every day. You know, uh, physically we need food every day. Spiritually we need time with Him every day. We call that a quiet time, a devotion, a daily watch. Uh, One person, a former military person would say, I have an appointment in the captain's briefing room. Part of me kind of likes that. I've got an appointment in the captain's briefing room. Now, I've been doing uh, some study on some of the words here. And one of the words that uh, is very interesting is this word, know. To know God the Father and to know who he sent, his son Jesus. This word, know, it's interesting that it's a similar reference to the word, know, in the Old Testament. You remember where it says, Adam knew Eve so so this word know is the Greek uh, word for this Old Testament word and so here in the Old Testament when it's talking about knowing someone it's talking about sexual relations or physical intimacy this word know in in the New Testament is talking about spiritual intimacy so it's not just knowing about God it's not just, you know, you know uh, knowing some stories about him or how he acted in the Old Testament. And when we do learn about him, but it's about knowing him. It's about being intimate uh, to him and it's being close 
to him. I heard this said, the chief end of man is to know God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of God is to know man and to enjoy him forever. Now any good relationship requires careful and regular attention. If you're going to be close to somebody, it, it, it requires careful and regular attention. And the Bible is all about relationships. And they're, they're there in black and white. Moses, Abraham, David, I could go on and name names. And it's about people in relationship with God. I read this uh, this week about Enoch, and I just want to read it to you, and it's really fascinating in light of what we're talking about here. Genesis 5, verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, Methuselah was born. Enoch, look at, Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God after the birth of Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God, and he was not, for God took him home with him. I'm not talking about him dying. God just took him. Isn't that something? <laughs> he was so close to God, God just took him home. Wow. But I like that habitual fellowship consistently in his presence. And he did it for 365 years. That's pretty good. I think you get to know someone pretty well in 365 years. What hinders us from being intimate with others? You know what the word intimacy There is a physical part to it, but intimacy, really what it means is closeness. What hinders us from being intimate with others? Well, a couple of the main things are fear and selfishness. Fear and selfishness. Um, I do a lot of uh, premarital counseling. And uh, I have this program that I use, but I had a lot of stuff that I've read and learned over the years. And, you know, uh, as I go through, it's about eight different sessions I'll go through somebody. But in one of the things I usually always mention is the stairway to intimacy. Because if you want to have a good marriage, it's important for you to be close to that person. Don't you think? Don't you want to be closer to that person than anybody else? And so uh, the stairway to intimacy. And so there's five, five levels. The first level is, and it's talking about communication, the first level is hallway talk. And that's where you're walking down the hallway and you talk to somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? What do you say? Good. How are you doing? Good. That's hallway talk. Second level is newspaper talk. <laughs> Newspaper talk is talking about some politics, maybe talking about sports, talking about the facts that you read in the newspaper or whatever. A lot of guys have that kind of talk. A lot of times over sports, right? 
Then there's thinking talk. Thinking is now, well, I've read the newspaper. Now here's my opinion. Do we really want to hear your opinion? (laughs) I think this, I think this. Fourth level. And see, every step you take, you're taking more risk. What's the risk? Rejection. Uh, You know, someone's going to reject you. Someone's going to laugh at you. Someone's going to condemn you. So each step along the way. And so, you know, know, the lower steps are a lot safer. Here's what the newspaper says. But now here's how I think. But then the, the fourth level is feeling. Feeling is not just what I think, but this is how I feel. This is what my emotions are saying. And, you know, as we get up to now sharing our feelings. <laughs> you lost all the men right there. <laughs> if I really tell you how I feel. <laughs> and then the fifth level, which very few people get to with God, for one, but also with others. They're correlated. Carolyn was talking about that last week. They're correlated. But very few people get to the fifth level is loving talk. That's where it's unconditional love. Where I can share everything on my heart and you love me. Good or bad. And when you have that kind of communication, that's closeness, intimacy. And so the, the so there's barriers to that and again you know rejection hurt all these different things Um, they don't respond to your love you know all of that and so why we're not intimate with God you know I I mentioned a couple things fear selfishness I mean of course we deal with sin are certainly barriers he's he's perfect and we're not anybody here perfect if you're if you raise your hand you come up here and take my spot Because you should be talking to us. But we're, we're, we're not perfect. And, and that has to go back to, our, to, to sin initially, especially if we're lost. Sin separates us from God. It's not that God's not loving us and caring about us. It's because we, are, we feel condemned because of our, our sin. So remember Adam in the garden, what did he do? He hid. But even as we know God, and, and thank God for His grace, we're saved by grace. His grace gets us out of lostness, gets us out of separation, brings us into fellowship with God. But still we have sin consciousness. Awareness of our flaws. Awareness of our weaknesses. And that keeps us separate. Now let me just say this. A immature spiritual person, when they miss it and when they have weakness, they run from God, not to Him. You catching that? That's what a spiritually immature person does. A spiritually mature person, when they miss it and when they have weakness, they run to God. That's that's a level of maturity. You've missed it, you've blown it, whatever it is. Instead of running from God, you run to Him. 
And that's the place where we're hoping you to be. Because you're, you know, you're coming into His grace. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. People, on the other hand, even those closest to us, <laughs> can misunderstand and misinterpret and, and can back away. But God's not that way. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews says in the Amplified, I will not, I will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So you got to learn to run to Him. And, and I would just highly recommend as, we, as we're starting 2020, learn to run to Him every day. Learn to be in His presence every day. It will, it will be a help because what all His goodness will come upon you. And what, what, what you really want to happen is you want to receive His grace. When you fellowship with God, you want to receive His love, His mercy, and His grace. Because grace, because He is perfect and we're not, His grace opens the door for us to be able to fellowship with Him. His grace enables us to talk to Him. His grace enables us. He, he allows it. We don't deserve it. But He allows us because of what His Son Jesus did. Jesus opened the door for us to be in His presence. We call that righteousness. The gospel, which is the good news, tells us despite man's helplessness and hopelessness in sin, God has graciously acted to open the way for man to come into intimacy with him. I told you about the, uh, over the years I've told you this story about Susie. I had messed up and uh, made some mistakes and... She knew about it and found out about it and confronted me about it. And I was like, you know, you know how you are sometimes. You're like fearful of what's going to happen here. Like I deserve punishment. I deserve what, the wrath of Susie. <laughs> I deserve it. But when we met, I didn't get wrath I didn't get anger. I got grace. And so I shared what happened to me is like someone pouring, you know, hot oil on me or something. Just, it was amazing. It was a tangible presence of grace on me and it, it impacted me. You, you know, uh, during some times of prayer this year, I've had that same thing happen. And I wasn't necessarily even going to God repenting, although I've done that this year. But I wasn't necessarily doing that. I was just in His presence. And it was just like hot oil being dumped on me. Of just His grace and His goodness. And it was almost, almost more than I could stand. But it was such peace and such love. And every care and every need just leaves. That's His grace. And uh, that's available to us. It's available, it's really available to us all the time if we'll receive it. 
And, and, it, and, that, and if you allow it, and if you're in that presence and allow it, it will begin to change you. Your desires, your habits, your wants. You start wanting what he wants. It's pretty amazing. Um, great. great. Can you bring me that chair? Put it up here, please. Just put it up there. <laughs> you need to start working out, brother. See, the problem, the problem we have, I'm talking about even believers, the problem with most of us is the throne of our lives. We're on the throne of our lives. We're the one calling the shots. We're the ones making all the decisions of our lives. Of course, you need to make decisions for your lives. But what I'm saying is, so many times as believers, we take our plans and then we bring them to God and say, God, bless this. And, and it's really, that's not the way it's supposed to be. This, this life is not about me doing what I want to do. I, remember that, uh, that story I, I shared some time back about the whole idea of where this came from? It goes back to the knights. And the, the knight would come before the king and he'd put his hands like this. And then the king would take his hands and put them over the knight's hands. And then the knight would say, I am yours. I'm your man. I'm here to do your bidding. And, and so we need to get off the throne of our lives and put Jesus in his rightful place. And, and so that time that we have every day, it shouldn't be us just sitting there just dictating to him everything. It should be us coming before him in submission. Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me this year? Who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I'm your man. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. I got a really, really corny story to read you, but I'm going to read it anyway. There's a minister named Robert Munger. He preaches a message called, My Heart, Christ's Home. And in, in this, uh, it says here, it's, what does it say here? The sermon tells of the various rooms in the heart of the one who has come to know the Lord. One of those rooms is most important. It is a small room at the bottom of the stairs, just off to the side. That is the room where the Lord says to the new believer, Here I will meet you each morning. Many of you have learned the blessing of making your way to that room morning after morning to be with the Lord, to pray, to study His Word in the Scriptures, simply to sit and enjoy being in His presence. But most of all, most of us also know that some of our mornings we oversleep. We let the pressure of other things detour us from our regular time with the Lord. Day after day, we rush down the stairs and out the front door, forgetting about the small room off to the side. Until one day we notice the door to that room slightly ajar and the light on inside. We peer inside, and there's the Lord, 
Excuse me, sorry. I like corny stories. We peer inside and there is the Lord sitting there all alone. Lord, we say, what are you doing here? Waiting for you, he replies. Have you forgotten? That's good, boy. I just think we just... um, I think we need to get off the throne of our lives. I think we need to start looking to him. I think we need to be spending more time with him. And if we did that, we wouldn't be making the stupid decisions that we make. We'd be making less of them. Let me put it that way. Now let me, let me read, after saying all that, let's look at Hebrews 4. Verse 16. I guess the, you know, why I was kind of tearing up is it's kind of sad that Jesus is in this room alone. (laughs) He's in this room alone. We're just kind of rushing by. I don't know. That's kind of sad to me. Hebrews 4 verse 16. And you know, you're going to some kind of throne every day anyway. I recommend you do this. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. The throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners. That we may receive mercy for our failures. And find grace to help in good time for every new need. Appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. That if you're feeling weak and you missed it, you go and you receive his mercy. That happens a lot more than we realize. But then also there's an empowerment that comes. There's a grace to live the word. There's a grace to walk in love. There's a grace to be holy. There's a grace to do his will. That grace will come upon you in a tangible way and it'll empower you. It will help you. I said this last week and a lot of people, or last time, a lot of people made comments about this is we always have time for the things which are important to us. And I just hope in um, 2020 that what he wants becomes more important to us. Matthew 6. This is a good prayer verse. Matthew 6, verse 19. You all doing okay? Is this too deep for today? Super Bowl Sunday? Matthew 6, verse 19. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth, from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it, 
The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. And, and, and as you spend time with him, what he values, because when you get to heaven, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't quote me on this, I've never been there. But when you get to heaven, you, you're not looking at the gold and the, the emeralds and the diamond. What you're looking at in heaven is the people. You're looking at him and the people that are there. That's the treasure. And when you spend time with him, you get people in your heart. Is that this is really what life is about? It's not about stuff, although we need stuff. He, rec- he recognizes, you know, uh, going on down in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But the first part is about seeking him. The rest of it will be taken care of. He'll show you how to operate and how to live. But what you treasure is where you're going to be and end up being. And if we just live according to natural means, it's just going to end up in natural things. But spending time with him, talking with him, listening to him, fellowship with him, it's going to end up on the things that he desires. The real treasure. Now, after saying all this, let's go to John 15. We'll close with John 15 today. John 15 is so awesome. I really want this to be a, um, an over and above year for you. I really want it to be a year of dreams coming true. I want it to be a year of fruitfulness, a year of impact in every area of your life. But I, but I tell you, this what I'm talking about today is going to be the key. It's, it's my number one thing for 2020 is spending more time with Him. It's my number one thing. Everything else will flow around that. John 15, verse 1. I am the real vine and my Father is the farmer. He cuts, cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes, he, he prunes back so it'll bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic and the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, and and this is sad, many Christians, I'm just talking about lost people. I mean, we know this is true for them, but many Christians. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown in the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. 
This is how my Father shows you who He is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in His love. Now if you read this in the um, New King James... It uses the word abide. Everybody has got New King James? You know how many times it uses the word abide in these ten verses? Ten times. Ten times it uses the word abide. What does that word mean? Very interesting word. It means to remain steady, to continue in, to be planted, to be rooted in one place. It means you won't budge from this place. It's a continual habit. And we're talking about Enoch habitually fellowshipped with God. Habitually abide and stay put. On our property, um, there's a lot of trees. And uh, we've been there 20 years, and we, you know, watch some of the smaller trees uh, grow. Seen a lot of trees fall. Well, we got some pretty amazing pine trees in our backyard. I don't know how tall, 60, 70 feet. I mean, huge around. And and I was just looking at them at them this week, and I was realizing that tree abides in my backyard. It's there during the storms. It's there during the sunshine. It's there during all the different things. I can look out there and it's still abiding. It's planted. Its roots are, are deep. Its roots are so deep and so strong, it, it, it raises the concrete in our driveway because of the roots. And, and, and see, that that's a tree that's... Uh, vitally connected to the ground and and you know I, so I just think about us and I think about people and about some people how they're just from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing they give you, you they give you their word and you can't count on them say they're going to do this they don't do it say they're going to do that they don't do it here one day gone the next back gone whatever you know and and i think it's like an epidemic that we deal with in the body of christ but i i'll tell you what i want to be though i want to be one of those stable trees and you're not going to be that way without fellowship with him without spending time with him and 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 and, and see and, and and if your motives are getting stuff that's not going to last Getting, trying to just get the blessings is not going to be someone that's going to have those strong roots because when things go bad and they look like the blessings not flowing you're going to seek something else elsewhere but I want to abide and I, and I like what uh, it, it, you know uh, different translation it'll say dwell make your home at 
You know, there's something about uh, coming into your, your home after a hard day. Hopefully you have a safe place that you live and it's some place, it's a refuge and it's a sanctuary from the world. If you don't, I hope that you find you get that, you know. But but that's that should be that's that place with him. It should be just a place of security and a place of safety as we're abiding in him, we're dwelling in him, we're making our home in him. And then what, what really happens though, and, and oh, I mean there's a lot of things that happen, but really what I'm I guess I just I'm seeing here is that grace flows. When you're in the word and you're spending time with him, just that grace flows. And it flows and it's his love and it's his goodness and it's his mercy and it heals and it restores and it mends and it provides, it encourages, but it also empowers. Praise God.